0: Wasabi Wallet, unfairly private. What's up, everyone? I'm Ben with the BTC sessions, and this is your daily session. Huddle THE Bitcoin. Before we dive in, I just want to give a quick shout out to sponsors of the show, Leaden.io. This is where you can use your Bitcoin for a bunch of different services. Now, I've been using these guys for a while. The first thing I ever used of theirs was their Bitcoin backed loans. And so uh, I was in a pinch. I needed to get my hands on dollars and I didn't want to sell my Bitcoin. So I was able to put it in a dedicated address. I was able to audit it 24-7. I got dollars in my bank account within 24 hours. And uh, as soon as I paid that loan back I was able to get my exact same bitcoin back. Uh, they've also got a couple other services that got Bitcoin and USdc savings accounts where you can earn up to 7.5 percent interest annually and they've got their B2x offering which uses the same loan mechanism to instantly buy more Bitcoin effectively doubling your bitcoin on the spot. So if you want to check these guys out there is a link down below in the show notes and if you use that link to get a loan that will give you 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin for free. Now, secondly, uh, new addition to the show coin cards. Now, these guys I've been using for literally six years now. Um, I first used coin cards back in 2014 when I did uh, a, an experiment to live on Bitcoin for a month and document it. It was actually before my channel even existed on a different channel that I was just doing for fun. And uh, yeah, it was difficult to live on Bitcoin back then, but coin cards made it very, very easy. They definitely made my life a little bit easier in trying to uh, achieve that. And so what coin cards does, as I imagine you've (laughs) figured out from looking at it, you're able to buy uh, gift cards of all sorts with Bitcoin. Uh, They take Bitcoin, they do lightning. uh, And then obviously, uh, if you have a, a bag of other coins you can dump them here uh and get something of value. <laughs> uh anyways, coin cards all, honestly awesome. I've met Mike the the creator multiple times out of Vancouver and uh and again just an excellent easy service. They've got both physical ones that can be delivered to you and then digital ones that you can get very, very quickly. But I've always had a great experience with them. If you want to check them out, there is a link in the show notes down below where you can head there if you want to uh, have some some uh, high-time-preference activities and pick up some uh, some gift cards. With that, let's dive into the news. Uh, so, obviously, it's been a kind of a wild weekend, um, and we've seen a ton of protests across the U.S., cities all over um, protesting and just looting and craziness. I, I'm not going to get too much into the specific politics of it, but we are also seeing some people take the streets with signs uh, in relation to to Bitcoin and these protests. And while some are uh, angry about those signs, others are somewhat understanding the intent of them. So um, a a few comments and stuff like that in and around these protests in relation to Bitcoin have popped up. Uh, You have uh, the CEO of Binance saying that Bitcoin is the peaceful protest. You have the Bitcoin account on Twitter saying counterfeit a trillion dollars. The state doesn't bat an eye. Counterfeit $20 and the state loses its mind. In reference to uh, all of the the bailouts and the the Fed just printing trillions versus George Floyd uh, having a counterfeit 20 um, and losing his life over it. Now, you've also seen signs like this, uh, Protesters. this guy here said, Bitcoin will save us on on his sign. And obviously the response to this uh, from, I don't even know who Jessica Huseman is to be honest, but she was not particularly enthralled with this response. Um, but I do, I, I think it's just because the connections aren't clear to people about how this is even involved. And I do a little bit understand the sentiment here in that um, Bitcoin is a separation of money and state. And this issue is very much a an embodiment of a state that has gotten out of control with its powers over the, the people it resides over. And uh, it's a bit of a failure of that in that the citizens that were meant to be protected and served are in some cases being killed uh, for very trivial things and when you separate uh, the money from the state that funding mechanism to make the state bigger and more powerful and disenfranchise the people that it resides over uh, is reduced and diminished to the point where perhaps eventually it's just non-existent. So I do see the connection. I don't think it's obvious with a sign like this how that connection would be drawn uh, by somebody who doesn't understand what Bitcoin and kind of why it was created in the first place. Um, But hey, I mean, this guy doesn't have any ill intent there. I don't think he's trying to pump his bags. I think somebody like that that goes to a protest with a sign like this um is trying to plant that seed of why is bitcoin around in the first place um does it diminish kind of what's happening not not so much in my eyes but uh yeah i mean everybody's going to take things as they want it's very politically charged environment right now so i guess i'll just kind of leave it there and move on um in Canada here, Bitcoin exchanges and payment processors are now regulated as MSBs or money service businesses. So this is my uh, former partner, employer, uh, Francis Pouliot from Bull Bitcoin. Awesome guys over there. Love what they're doing here in Canada. Um, and they are, uh, Francis put out a blog post uh, about regulation and how it's changing in Canada. So I'm going to skip over some of the beginning stuff here uh, and just get to kind of like the implications of the regulation on on entities in canada and outside of canada uh so he starts with the bad news here he says uh, bad news we're adding per transaction limits in addition to daily volume limits limits so the per transaction limit for accounts uh, with limited verification meaning that you haven't provided full id and all of that is a thousand dollars which was previously three thousand uh the con um To conduct transactions over $1,000, you must get your account officially verified. Uh, They require users to provide their date of birth as a requirement to change their verification status to verified, and they also require uh, you to provide your occupation as a requirement to change their verification status to verified. Now, the good news. They're increasing their daily volume limits from 3,000 to 10,000 for users that have limited account verification status. Uh, So users with limited account verification can do multiple transactions as long as they are each below $1,000 and as long as they don't exhibit suspicious behavior, which we'll get into the details below. Um, Identity documents will no longer be required for users that can be identified using their credit files. Um, Connecting bank accounts to Bull Bitcoin using Flinks. Verification will no longer be required uh, as long as, again, you can be identified using credit files. Um, now, obligations on part of not only Bull Bitcoin, but every Bitcoin related exchange in the country. So they have to identify users conducting transactions over $1,000. They have to report transactions suspected of being involved in money laundering or terrorist financing to FinTrack, they have to keep records of all transactions, uh, which is nothing new. Generally, they have to establish and adhere to policies and procedures to deter and detect money laundering and terrorist financing. Um, Information required to perform compliant know your customer validation is full name, residential address, phone number, occupation, and date of birth. Now record keeping obligations are date and time of transaction, all amounts and currency types involved, Currency exchange rates used and their source, transaction ID, receiving address, sending address, and the user's KYC info, which is name, address, date of birth, and occupation. Now, suspicion, suspicious transaction reporting. Satoshi Portal, which is the the parent company of Bull Bitcoin, is required to make suspicious transaction reports to Fintrack after we have detected a fact that amounts to reasonable grounds to suspect that. Any one that uh, one of your transactions is related to the commission of an attempted commercial of money laundering offense or terrorist activity, uh, failure, failure, sorry, failure to report this uh, could lead up to five years of imprisonment and a fine of two million dollars or both for its executives. So it's pretty hefty fines and consequences to not do this. Um, they're not allowed to share with any, uh, anyone other than FinTrack, including their own clients, um, the contents of suspicion transaction reports, uh, or even the fact that one was filed. So here's the breakdown of suspicious activity, what is and what is not. Um, so they give some tips, they say, uh, Try not to do this because this could prompt a, an inquiry or a, or a report being filed. Don't provide false or uh, misleading information. We will know right away if your date of birth, address, and name don't match. Don't try to exploit loot holes in the KYC process. Don't transact on behalf of someone else without telling us and be cooperative with customer support. Not considered suspicious by Bull Bitcoin are CoinJoin or other Bitcoin privacy techniques thank you using vpn tor or voip phones thank you asking questions about or criticizing their privacy policies thank you or talking negatively about banks or government thank you uh now actual indicators that could lead to uh investigating whether or not a transaction is suspicious are the following making statements about being involved with criminal activity obviously You don't wanna be saying anything of the sort, even if you're joking, because there's consequences there. Uh, Saying you don't want the government to know about your transactions. Again, that leads to the, oh, are you trying to hide something from the government kind of question that they then have to ask and investigate. Asking advice about concealing source of funds or tax avoidance. Obviously, don't ask about that kind of crap, because one, they're not gonna answer you, and two, That sounds suspicious because you're probably trying to do that thing. Uh, Funding your account from a bank account that is not in your name, conducting transactions on behalf of someone else without telling us, trying to falsify your identity or impersonate someone else, all of those no-brainers, making multiple bill payments to the same recipient or multiple Bitcoin purchases in a way that seems structured specifically to avoid the $1,000 transaction KYC threshold. And then finally, continuing to perform transactions that are unnecessarily complex, inefficient, or co- not cost-effective after having been advised otherwise by our staff. So, if you're doing something that is that is uh, unnecessarily expensive, and somebody from Bull Bitcoin says, "Hey, you know, it's much easier to just do it this way. You're gonna it's gonna cost you way less." And you're like, no, I think I'll I'll keep doing it. it's it's gonna sound suspicious, and then they have to kind of further investigate, and this again required by law, two million dollar fines, potential jail time. That's that's kind of just the deal. So there's a couple things that you can look at this uh, from the perspective of one is Bitcoin now regulated? Yes. Um, it, it it was inevitable that that was going to happen in some way, shape, or form in basically every uh, every uh, nation in the world at some point. Um, but regulation is also acceptance. Regulation is also them saying this is not banned. Uh, and so the beauty of Bitcoin is Bitcoin itself, the protocol doesn't understand anything external to it it doesn't understand national laws anything like that Um, the protocol can be used as as anybody sees fit it's literally inputs and outputs but in the context of where you live in a country with a business, transacting with individuals or or with, with um, anything to do with a business within a specific country, that business is going to be regulated by the laws of the land in which they reside. And so this is what we're seeing. So uh, again, double-edged sword, but it's also an admission that Bitcoin is here. It's okay. And it will be now a part of the Canadian regulatory landscape. So take that for what it is. Moving on, Uh, old trick could solve Bitcoin's privacy problem. So uh, obviously Bitcoin itself is inherently not private. It is pseudonymous um, with your Bitcoin addresses and sending them. They can be tracked by third parties and any identifying uh, transactions can then link not just those individual transactions, but other Bitcoin that you hold to your identity through multiple means. So there's an, uh, a new privacy protocol. Um, it's actually an old one that was created back in 2013 by Greg Maxwell, while well, Chris Belcher um, has put together and implemented An implementation proposal that could be ready as soon as, I believe, six to eight months um, to to begin actual use. So CoinSwap is the name of it. It was originally conjured up, as I said, in 2013 by Greg Maxwell, um, co-founder of Blockstream and the creator of CoinJoin coin swaps spiritual predecessor so Maxwell's idea at the time was too technically challenging to implement and was left to gather dust Chris Belcher's proposal however uses the same smart contract trick that makes bitcoins lightning network tick making it easier to implement so, Belcher told Decrypt, uh, decrypt.co, uh, that the protocol could be ready for testing in six to eight months. And Maxwell has praised Belcher's implementation as an extensive, well written, high level design. So, how does this work? Essentially, you have. Two individuals uh, myself and you on the other side of this uh, video and we have two separate multi-signature addresses that we both hold one of two keys to so let's say there's an address here there's an address here and we both hold one key to each but it requires two keys in order to send the funds out. I send some Bitcoin to this address, you send some Bitcoin to this address, and it looks like a regular single signature transaction both times in that the money goes here and then the money reverts to myself and you. So I'm taking the money that you sent to the multisig. you're taking the money that I sent to the multisig. All the while, it doesn't really show that funds have been swapped between two users, and in doing so, breaks a lot of the heuristics that blockchain analytics companies utilize in order to uh, track who owns what. Um, so, uh- it's interesting. I'm excited to see this, this kind of evolve here and, and, and play around with it once it's, uh, the, the proposal is actually brought to fruition. Um, but interesting nonetheless, and I'm happy to see more privacy things pop up for Bitcoin. Now, I should note that there was later on, they uh, interviewed um, Adam Pfizer from Wasabi Wallet and he was talking about um you know this is exciting and everything and we're seeing the feasibility of of anything to do with wasabi and and CoinSwap. Um but there was a misquote here or a misunderstanding that kind of got brought into uh, Bitcoin Twitter and there's a lot of back and forth of people saying this is not okay, but it was really just a misunderstanding of exactly what was being said. So so um It sounded like what Adam was trying to say was that uh, in order for Wasabi to actually utilize CoinSwap, um, they would have to have like a stockpile of a ton of Bitcoin um, just to make that work, basically to provide some liquidity to it. Um, And in saying that, uh, the author at Decrypt misunderstood and thought that Wasabi was already providing liquidity for its own coin joins, which would be a problem if the company itself was doing that because it could be construed as a Sybil attack, which means that uh, Wasabi becomes so much of the liquidity, so much of the coins that are being coin joined that when you take them out of the equation or for themselves, if they would be able to see uh, basically vastly narrow down the likelihood of who owns what coins because they would know that enough of them are themselves. Um, but Adam, uh, did confirm later on that this was incorrect. We do not provide our own liquidity to Wasabi. So now does that say that, uh, People from Wasabi don't use their own um, their own software themselves. Absolutely not. Obviously, people from Wasabi are going to also use Wasabi. Um, it's like when I was at Bull Bitcoin, I obviously still, you know, I was using Bull Bitcoin, and uh, and I think that's probably the case for most people that that work in any area of Bitcoin. They probably use the stuff that they're working on. Um, Anyways, besides the fact, Wasabi Wallet does not provide its own liquidity to its own coin joins um, other than if you consider its own employees just mixing its own coins randomly when they need to do so. Uh, Moving on, Square Crypto has awarded a grant to uh, a Bitcoin Lightning Network watchtower. So a quick little Brief here from Decrypt. Square Crypto has been doling out grants to developers working on free open source projects that support the future development of Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, and its latest grant has gone to a watchtower service for the latter. The Eye of Satoshi is the service, and it hails from Spanish developer Talaya. I think that's how you say it. Watchtowers were introduced into Lightning Network code last year, providing a backup service option to monitor blockchain transactions if your own lightning so, uh, Lightning software isn't active. That way peers can't close the channel and run off with your coins. So I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on uh, what watchtowers are furthermore. So when you have a lightning network channel, essentially you are locking up Bitcoin between one address and another, one that you own and probably somebody uh, one that somebody else owns. And what you're doing as you're sending Bitcoin transactions via the Lightning Network is you're actually just updating the state of what side of the channel that Bitcoin Bitcoin lies on. So let's say I have 10 Bitcoin and you had zero and I opened a channel with you. As I'm spending Bitcoin out of that channel, um, technically we're just kind of updating the contract between us saying, okay, now I have nine Bitcoin, you have one. I have, you know, six Bitcoin and you have four. What watchtowers prevent you from doing is when you go to settle a Lightning Network channel, uh, you basically broadcast a final state of the channel as to who owns what. Now, if I've spent six coins to you and I only retain four and you're offline, feasibly I could actually go back to an earlier channel state where I had only maybe spent one coin to you and try to close up the channel that way. What watchtowers do is prevent me from doing so, or I shouldn't say prevent me from doing so, but if there is a watchtower watching over that channel and I try to broadcast an earlier version, uh, an earlier state of the channel, uh, I run the risk of losing all of my funds and all of them going to you. Uh, and so the, the opportunity cost of doing so, or rather the, the, uh, the, the potential implications of doing so uh, are so great that I likely won't want to do that. Uh, so anyways, uh, really cool to see Jack and uh, Square Crypto continue to support the Bitcoin space. And uh, also great to see greater security measures making their way into the Lightning Network. And I want to touch on one more thing here. Uh, This is an article from Cointelegraph. They say miners have been selling more Bitcoin than they generate, recent data suggests. So last week, Bitcoin miners sold 11% more coins than they generated over the same period. And this is June 1st data from on-chain analysis portal um, ByteTree. So according to the portal's metric that tracks Bitcoin wallet addresses associated with miners, around 5,800 Bitcoin was generated over the past seven days compared to the over 6,500 first spend transactions. So a first spend transaction uh, that is used uh, for the calculation is the first time that Bitcoin leaves the wallet it was generated in. So when a uh, when the Bitcoin miner reward is generated, it goes to a miner address and is then either sent to be spent to an exchange or distributed to miners in a mining pool, whatever the case may be, uh, you can track what happens to those coins. And it appears that uh, a lot of miners tend to have a bit of a treasury that they build up for times where they're not getting enough Bitcoin to cover overhead costs. And it appears that miners are beginning to dip... Mm significantly deeper into their treasuries to keep afloat, which could point to minor capitulation, meaning that those that are, less, uh, that are less efficient and cannot keep up with the market given the cut in supply of newly minted coins from the halving earlier this, uh, I guess, earlier in May, uh, they may be potentially uh, having to shut down at some point soon. And what happens when uh, inefficient miners go down is that the more efficient ones pick up the slack and are also forced to sell less of their Bitcoin. So what we're seeing right now is uh, an overextension of some of these miners and some of them having to dip into their treasury. And if that gets depleted and they have to uh, completely close up shop, then... Yeah, you could be looking at a situation where where the most efficient miners take up all the hash power and are no longer having to sell as much, which takes a lot of sell pressure off of the market and potentially potentially leads to higher prices. Now there is a rebuttal to that later in this uh, later in this uh, article here, where Connor Brown talks about, hey, like let's not say that miners are capitulating just yet what will happen a lot of the times is certain certain hardware that is inefficient will be in an in a place where the power is also very inefficient in terms of price and that hardware becomes commoditized and sold to areas where the electricity is heavily subsidized or just cheaper in general. So you may see it leaving places like China or Canada or the US or Europe and ending up in places like Kazakhstan, Russia, the Middle East or South America. So we shouldn't write off that that hash power just yet, but we're also seeing newer stuff, newer hardware that's super efficient come onto the market and in time That will definitely make some of these old like S9 miners completely obsolete. And at that point, they will go off the market. Um, It's also led to some crazy moves in price. This chart is ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, so we saw a spike the other day from, God, what was it? Kind of like the 9500s. All the way up to damn near 10,400. And then earlier this morning, we went from around 10,150 all the way down to 9,150. And now we're kind of in the mid 9000s, close to the 9,500 mark. This happens quite often, these kind of crazy whipsaws back and forth in short periods of time and this kind of pattern where it goes straight up goes flat across the board and then straight down everybody likes to refer to those as the good old bart simpson pattern uh bitcoin likes to bart up and down from time to time (laughs) <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. When uh, it's it's a little less crazy when you zoom out and you just look at the one day, um you you know, we've seen patterns like this before where you have a crazy spike, you have it go straight back down and it just kind of in when you zoom out, it everything looks a little less scary. So you know, try not to freak out everybody. Um, anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Uh, as always, if you're here on YouTube, hit like, subscribe and share. Also make sure you check me out on the other platforms I stream to. I'm live on Twitter. Uh, I do D live and Twitch and Facebook live. So just, just search me out on those. I'm also on pretty much any audio only podcast platform you can find. So Apple, Spotify, all of that. Now, if you want to help the show in another way, of course you can check out the sponsors I mentioned in the links down below. That was Ledin and Coin Cards, uh, but you can also help out the show in another way by grabbing yourself a hardware wallet. Which, if you if you're not on a hardware wallet already, you've seen how quickly the price of this can move. Don't get caught with your pants down and you don't have your Bitcoin secured. Uh, Ledger is an easy option that you can always check out. There's a link down below, and they've got some killer deals on 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 grabbing some cheap hardware wallets. I have the Ledger X and the S, and I use both for different purposes, but definitely worth whether or not you get a Ledger to get yourself a hardware wallet and get yourself secure. Finally, if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a lightning network tip at my tippin.me page. That is tippin.me slash at BTC sessions. And with that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of the day, a wonderful evening, and I'll see you next time for your daily session.